Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 198. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today we have Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing there, Kevin? You're pretty good. So this week on the show, we have three reviews lined up. Oh, God. Bringing in the new year right with three reviews. It's our first show of 2016. How How is your New Year's, Kevin? Same thing. Same day, different shit? Exactly. As Ryan would put it. Pretty much. Had a pretty Nothing good New Year's. Changed. It was pretty, pretty boring, actually. I had the flu. It was cool. Oh, yeah. That sucks. Yeah. It was awesome. You sound better now, though. Are you, are you feeling better? Yeah, a little bit. I, I was feeling a little bit... Like I had, like, a little bit of a sniffle, and I'm, oh. I'm concerned because everybody around me is getting sick. No, you're getting sick. And I know it's going to hit me. It's yeah, probably going to hit sick. me hard. You're going to get so sick. I know. I'm, I'm very concerned about that. As you should be. So, this week on the show, we're going to be reviewing Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. We got Adam McKay's The Big Short. And we got David O. Russell's Joy. So, three of the year-end titles that... Uh, this this probably will wrap up our 2015, I think. More than likely. Yeah. As far as main reviews of the show, this will probably wrap things up. I don't know when. When does the Revenant come out? That that comes out. Okay, there we go. Because that's this weekend. Yeah. So that that'll probably. So we got one more week of uh, late 2015 releases, and then we'll be moving on to 2016. Any predictions for 2016? You think it's going to be a good year for movies? I think there's going to be plenty of movies to see. Just. I think there will be an abundance of film. Almost every weekend, there's going to be movies to see. That, I think that that is a safe and solid prediction. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Safe and solid. All right, let's go ahead and... Let's, let's do it. Let's just jump right into our first review. Um, no order to these. I'm just going to go through the tabs I have open on my web browser. And the first one happens to be The Hateful Eight. All right. This is written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. I have a synopsis here. In the dead of a Wyoming winter, a bounty hunter and his prisoner find shelter in a cabin currently inhabited by a collection of nefarious characters. Uh, This stars Samuel L. Jackson, Kurt Russell, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Walton Goggins, Damian Bashir, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, Bruce Dern, and others. Others. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. James Parks is in there. Zoe Bell plays a small role in there, as does Gene Jones. Gene Jones playing Sweet Dave. Big fan of Gene Jones. Saw him in Dementia a couple weeks ago. And uh, maybe it was a month ago now. Jeez. It's been a long time. All right. I'll start things off uh, because I already talked about The Hateful Eight when we did our top 20 movies. I enjoyed The the Hateful Eight quite a bit. I think that a solid portion of that enjoyment was due to me being able to see it in 70 millimeter in a giant, beautiful old theater. And we just got the whole experience with the intermission and the overture and all of that stuff. So that was a fantastic experience. I will say again that I don't think that this is Quentin Tarantino's best film. I think that it's his most divisive film in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. it, it, it feels like the most Tarantino Tarantino film. And I, and I don't necessarily think that's a, a good thing. I feel like in a lot of ways he, he played it safe with this movie as crazy as that may sound given 
some of the stuff that happens in it. But that being said, I loved all the characters and uh, I liked a lot of uh, how this, this film played out. So those are, those are my initial impressions this on is, Hateful Eight. This is initial. Okay. This movie fucked my back up. Oh, boy. Because it's so fucking long. <laughs> and I, I didn't like it. I, yeah. I wanted this thing to be over I, I, so bad. I gathered from your, your tweet that you sent out that you were not a big fan. I just, oh, I just, it's like, it's fine. Like filmmaking wise, it's fine. It's fine. Like I love the cinematography when it was like actually out in the open. Yeah. I think you know, with the, with the, the snow and everything and it looks beautiful. Um, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't captivated by the story. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't hooked. I never got hooked. Yeah. And I think that that was the big thing for me too, is that it, it, the characters were interesting enough for me that this, the, the story didn't have to be amazing. And I wasn't necessarily hooked by the story either because I felt like, I felt like this is, uh, well-worn territory like i felt like i knew exactly how this was all gonna play out yeah nothing there were some surprises certainly but in the end i knew how it was all gonna work out for these these terrible people and going back to what you were saying with the visuals i i completely agree i think that this is probably one of his best looking films um even from that like opening shot of the the statue you know oh yeah Oh yeah, I, I think oh, that I, everything with the opening and just yeah the, the carriage. Oh my goodness, all of it is wonderful, and especially when it 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 goes back out when uh, Samuel L. Jackson's doing his his little story that he's using to provoke Bruce Dern, which actually that goddamn that hurt my eyes because I'm I was so my eyes settled into the the close quarters and everything was kind of dark, mm-hmm. and then it just pops out and it's just nothing but white. <laughs> And it just burned. Yeah. Yeah. It's a painful film. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things happen to people. <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. A lot, a lot of blood. A lot of blood. A lot of blood. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of violence in this, in this movie. If, uh, if you weren't sure if Tarantino was going to make a violent movie or not. He did. Yeah, he did. He brings he, it. He kept that streak going. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely brings it. Uh, it certainly has a Reservoir Dogs vibe. I've read a lot of people comparing this to Reservoir Dogs, and I, I think that that is... I can definitely see the parallels there between those two films. I saw, I saw a couple of people say The Thing as well. Thing? The Thing. The Thing? The Thing. Which I can kind of see. I can kind of see it because without giving away too much of the movie... I'm I'm fairly certain that they say this in the trailer that that like one of them is you know not who, not not who, who they say they it. are and yeah so they're all kind of held up in this cabin in the dead of winter during a storm they're trying to figure out who's who's the uh, the betrayer or whatever so yeah I, I guess I can kind of see that I forgot just, to mention Channing Tatum is in this too. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum does not do a good job. Oh, he, but he's barely in it, though. I know, I know but man. There's like four lines. <laughs> yeah, but those four lines are, oof, oh boy. But, uh. Don't even remember his performance at all. It was I mean, just, I just remember his, uh, him speaking different languages was a bit, <laughs> bit rough. 
but uh, I yeah, just for me, I just I never got I never got hooked by the story. And I just I didn't really think that there was any tension. And I tell you what, if you don't get hooked by this story, you are in for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it's rough. It's long. <laughs> 187 <laughs> minutes. And the if you see it the 70 millimeter version, it's they have 6 minutes added on plus a intermission plus the overture. Which I got to say, I thought that it was it was kind of odd because obviously I didn't see the 70 millimeter version. So I didn't have the, the intermission, um, but they still have the, the voiceover narration, mm-hmm. which is really weird. Cause out of nowhere, it's just, you know, the, the scene ends and, and then the next scene boom. begins yeah, and, he's, and he's, he's like recapping. Yeah. He's like, hey, well, when we last saw our character, it's like, dude, that was just like was five seconds, seconds ago. ago. Yeah. The hell? I was glad for the intermission because it allowed me to use the bathroom. Oh yeah, I could have used that. I do want to see what changes were made between the two. From what I read, it was just there were more cuts. Like they, he he cut things differently with the the multiplex version. The the stuff that like didn't necessarily work mm-hmm. uh, because okay. of the, the aspect ratio change. Gotcha. So I'm I'm guessing that a lot of the outside stuff was probably cut. Oh, that was the stuff I liked the most. Yeah, same here actually. <laughs> same here. Uh overall I, I still I I did like the movie and the story didn't wow me or anything, but it was really the the characters that, that pulled me through it. I loved Samuel L. Jackson in this and I loved Walton Goggins in this. And even I mean everybody was great for the most part. I thought Michael Madsen was a little bit flat, but yeah, they didn't really give him much to do. No, to no. And Bruce Dern barely speaks at all. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, for me, Walton Goggins and Samuel L. Jackson were definitely the, the highlights. I mean, Jennifer Jason Lee did a solid job, too. Yeah. To Easy Dom review. <laughs> I'm just kind of... All the talk about, you know, what... I guess what this movie's trying to say, or, you know, like, it's it's what it's trying to say about race relations and all that. I'm not seeing that. I didn't really see it either. I'm not seeing that. I mean, I, I'm sure you can you can conjure something up because there's enough in there that you can come up with something. But I don't I don't really see it as him trying to make but it, but a statement it, on anything. Isn't that like kind of how all his movies are though? I mean, even Pulp Fiction with Samuel L. Jackson's character. Well, the only thing that I saw while you know while I'm watching it, like okay, like I said, you can you can conjure some things up here, but. What you're going with, it, everything's kind of muddled because he's he's making different points all over the place, whatever, you know, throughout the movie. And the only thing that I saw as like a, an actual like constant thread throughout was like the importance of like critical thought where he because he kept saying about like uh, justice, justice without dispassion isn't actual justice. And then how, you know, Samuel L. Jackson uses his little thing to provoke. Bruce Dern and uses that to his, his advantage. Right, and, yeah. And then the same thing happens towards the end where someone kind of loses patience on what's happening and kind of fucks everything up because they let emotions get in the way. And guess what happens when emotions get in the way? Yeah. Bad Everyone stuff. ends up fucked. Bad stuff. I think so that was really the only thing that I actually saw. Like, okay, this is something that he's actually trying to say. Yeah, I could see that, I guess. 
I think I just like the the fact that they had to nail the door shut every time somebody came or went. And it just kept screaming. <laughs> I thought that was that was so funny how that kept happening. And Tarantino's humor is, is really hit or miss for me, but I, I thought that that was funny. I did like when uh my the my favorite thing for me was when Samuel Jackson was would uh kind of get a little excited especially with uh what happens with Channing Tatum <laughs> immediately afterwards <laughs> it took a while it took forever for that to happen but man did I love it yeah uh let's see Kurt Russell what'd you think of his performance Kurt Russell was he was fine John Ruth everyone was fine yeah there's there's like certain things that I kind of want to say but it's I all spoiler stuff so i can't really reveal different yeah things. i mean you said that michael madsen he wasn't really given much to do uh who played bob the damien bashir yeah his he was okay i liked him he didn't i mean again he didn't really get that much to do either uh, but everyone I, else was i th- i think one of my favorite scenes I liked a lot of I liked a lot of the the sequences. Mostly, like you said, a lot of the stuff that happened outside. I liked the scene when they first met Samuel L. Jackson. I just thought that that it was just framed so nice, like oh. just the framing in that whole sequence. Which I just remembered. My absolute favorite is when uh, I think it's when Samuel L. Jackson's first starting his little provocation with Bruce Dern when he takes a sip of his coffee and the steam. Oh yeah. Hits underneath his his hat and kind of like curls out from underneath the hat and everything. I thought that that looked fantastic. Yeah, but I just oh man, that was a long long night in a the theater. It's it's so interesting because that the length did not bother me whatsoever. Like I was I was all in from the beginning. And I see I I think that's what it is. Like if you don't connect with the story. It's gonna it's gonna be a long one because I didn't connect. I never really connected with it, so it just to me it just felt drawn out. And I'm just like, okay, let's do something. And, I, and you know, and then they have the the you know the coffee gets poisoned, and it's like, oh, okay, intrigue. But then Tarantino ruins that with the narration where he's like, someone poisoned the coffee. I, yeah, I wasn't like, ter- I wasn't terribly yeah. into the the voiceover. And I knew you were gonna absolutely. Oh my god! Well, it, number first off, it's narration, and it's completely unnecessary. Yeah, it is. It is number completely two. unnecessary. And then number two, it's Tarantino for God's yeah. sake! It's like, can you get someone else, please? You know, you should have got. You should have got freaking uh, Sam Elliott to do it. He should. That anyone? Been awesome. <laughs> anyone? Or not? Yeah, Sam Elliott. Yeah. Should have got Morty from Rick and Morty. Anyone <laughs> would have been hilarious. <laughs> uh, and they make sure to do it just like Rick and Morty, where they <laughs> kind of stumble over their lines and repeat things and burp randomly <laughs> and talk into their burps. <laughs> that would have been amazing. So what do you get with Garner this movie an extra star? Easy. That would have been. That would have been great. I would have loved it. Yeah, so I yeah I, I really enjoyed myself with this overall. I will probably see it one more time at oh, home boy. after it comes out, and that'll be it, though. That's the thing. Whereas 
Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, even Kill Bill, I can endlessly rewatch those. And I have seen almost his whole filmography multiple times. This one is one that I can probably do one more time. It was the same way with Django. Like, I could do Django one more time. I watched it after I saw it in the theater. And then I I probably can't go back to that, at least for quite a while. Yeah. Because this one, I feel like his movies over the years have gotten... I think they've gotten slightly more complex, but at the same time, they're very... Uh, they they've slowed down because if you remember oh, Pulp yeah. Fiction and and even Reservoir Dogs, it's very fast, very very quick. Well, that's the thing, and he's always been a talky guy. Yeah, where he's had a lot of dialogue, but the dialogue's always been kind of punchy and and it was kind of memorable. And with for me, the Hateful Eight, it's just it's really slow, and it just it didn't it didn't hit any of those beats for me. I thought the I thought like the, 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 the the actual dialogue. Yeah. I thought the the dialogue was quite good. I mean, that's another thing that brought it home for me was the characters and the dialogue. I, and so for me, the script was on point. Yeah. Minus the minus the narration, I definitely could have done without that for sure. But yeah, I still I still enjoyed it overall. So so there. There you go. But uh, the that uh, that score. Oh yeah. Oh, How did oh, I not mention that? The score. The biggest thing of 2015. I loved that score. I loved it. I loved it so much that it is one of the few movie scores I've listened to, like on its own. Yeah, independently from actually watching the movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't do that. Was fantastic. This score. I I absolutely loved this score. It was. Yes, it was fantastic. There was one other thing I just remembered too. There was an instance. I think it was towards the end. Where I think Samuel L. Jackson like screams out or something like that, and for whatever reason Tarantino didn't slow mo. Oh yeah, so he like screams out in slow mo. That was a very odd choice. That just yeah, I remember was that. Was absolutely terrible. I don't know what he was thinking there. Yeah, uh, who knows? He makes a lot of he does a lot of weird stuff. He does. He just it seems like he because he's able to just do whatever he wants. That he he tries everything, and sometimes someone needs to rein him in. I think <laughs> I think it would help if someone reined him in. I hope I hope that the success of this film has given him uh like a re re. I hope that it has reinvigorated his joy for directing, though, because I'm really I don't want this to be his last movie. I want him to continue making movies and i would love for him to do a proper horror movie not from dusk till dawn because i don't count that <laughs> i'm not counting that shit it well, it's a it's a horror movie technically but i feel like the parts that he directed were not really yeah. horror and gotcha. I, I don't know i just i don't count it i want him to do his own thing do it i would do love that, that. i would because he's he i feel like he just he needs an idea for it because I think that he's the type of director where, unless he has a, the perfect idea for a story, he's not going to do it. Because that was the whole thing with I remember the reason that it took him so long to do Django was he said he'd never do a western because it, all the best westerns have already been made. And now he's like, doing, now he's doing nothing but westerns. Yeah, <laughs> what <happened>? double shot. <laughs> What happened? All all I know is that I'm I'm perfectly fine with the Western making a comeback. I feel like this year we've had a lot of 
solid oh, westerns between that, this and Slow West it, and and it came back hard. Yeah, and Bone Tomahawk and Meek uh not Meek's cut off. The 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 was it the keeping room? Yeah, the keeping room. Keeping room. Um Man, there was a lot of westerns. There's a lot of westerns this year, and I and they were all pretty damn good for the most part. Yeah, pretty much. So nice. Keep it going. Keep it going. Let's let's move on to the next one. Yep, let's move on to the next one. We're gonna give Hateful Eight a score. I'm gonna give it uh I'll give it an eight out of ten. Oh, just Ooh. realize that eight Hateful Eight, giving it an eight. Oh shit. Damn, you're clever. Yeah. I'm gonna give it like a five. Five Point five. You said so many nice things about it, and then you're like five. Five point five. Six. Six. <laughs> Six. I don't know, man. It's so fucking long. Jesus Christ. I mean it, it is possible. There there I can't think of an example right now, but there have been movies where there have been like one thing about it that I just could not get on board with and it killed the whole movie for me. So I mean it's within your it's one of those it's it's one of those things where i'm just like it's it's fine it's fine it's all right but man did i fucking hate it (laughs) if that makes sense i also want to give props to tarantino for making a movie that has an entire cast of completely unlikable people i i like this I don't know if it's a trend, if you want to call it a trend, where there have been a lot of movies this year, or in 2015, that I feel like had unlikable characters. Yeah, but not not eight of them. No, not eight of them. But And, and I feel like I'm hoping that with more movies like this that have unlikable characters, that the general public will start to realize that we don't have to like the characters in a movie to like the yeah. movie. OB was nice, though. He wasn't a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, he was. Ob was pretty awesome, actually. He just got. Yeah, it was just unfortunate for Ob. Yeah, poor Ob. All right, let's move on to our next film, uh, The Big Short. Let's talk about that one. All right. This is directed by Adam McKay. I have a synopsis here: Four denizens of the world of high finance predict the credit and housing bubble collapse of the mid two thousands and decide to take on the big banks for their greed and lack of foresight. Oh boy! This stars Ryan Gosling. Uh, man, it's one of these deals where it's like all out of order with the cast on IMDb. Christian Bale, uh, Steve Carell, Brad Pitt. That's it. That's everybody. We'll start with you, Kevin. What did you think of the Big Short? <laughs> the only people in this movie. <laughs> Moving on. Entire cast done. Uh, this was. I was kind of shocked by this one. This is like a fucking mess <laughs> like <laughs> this is a fucking mess of a movie i don't know what the hell's going on in this thing it was not good it was not good i'm just kind of baffled that this is like a final product what's just what baffles me again like carol what i don't this is getting a lot of praise mm-hmm. and like you I thought it was a complete mess. The it had some of the worst editing I've seen in a movie. All oh my god! There, there was literally a, this the scene, and I don't know if you saw this, but it happened early on in the movie where it was for some reason there was a cutaway. This oh my god! There was a cutaway, and they do this several times throughout the movie. It's supposed to be funny, but for me, I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. There was a cutaway to Margot Robbie explaining something in a bubble bath. There's uh-huh. a shot. Shows her picking up a glass of champagne. Uh-huh. There's a 
quick cut, and she is not holding that champagne, and she goes and picks it up again. And it was, like, so obvious, and it just, it drove me insane. And I know that's a huge nitpick, but there were several other instances where the editing just felt completely off in this movie. You you add that to everything else that's going on here. Like there's there's so many like montages of just random crap to like segue to the, the next scene. Like why is why is there a clip of the landlord, the viral video that Will yeah, Ferrell exactly. made? Like why why the fuck is that there? What the hell's going on? And then there's when they go to Las Vegas. There's like, what is it? The Killer Mike track comes on, but yet there's still like background noise. Yeah. And then there's like another song playing. And then there's like a montage going on at the same time. And it's just a fucking train wreck. It's 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 baffling. Yeah, this movie drove me crazy. The the constant breaking the fourth wall, talking to the camera. I, I never thought any of it was clever. And I, I totally get it. That style may work for some people, and they might may find they it may make the subject matter more entertaining to them because you know it's kind of dry. It's it's talking about yeah. complex stuff, and and it's trying to be presented in an entertaining yet informative way. But for me, it just man, it just did not work on any level. Like to no. me. I think something like Margin Call did it a lot better where, yeah, you may not understand exactly what's happening here, but you get the gist. Well, and the thing for me was, okay, the the I think it was three instances where, you know, through to other people to have them explain, you know, the Margot Robbie and the bubble bath or whatever, and the Selena Gomez one. and Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain. <clears throat> that was the other one. Yeah, none, none of those worked for me. I, I didn't find them funny. I just I thought they completely derailed the film, but the the break of the fourth wall too was just so unnecessary. Especially every time like Ryan Gosling's character does it, and especially at the beginning because that's when I was like, oh god, this uh, what am I in for? Where he's kind of like he's in the past and he's like, hey, I'll meet you later. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah, that was that was bad. And then he and then he shows up later. He's like, I told you, I would I would meet up with you later. And it's like, oh my god, are you kidding me? The the only thing that I liked when they did that was when they clarified something that they changed for the movie that didn't happen in real life. Yeah, that was that. I thought that that was kind of clever how they were like, actually, it didn't really happen like this. I thought yeah. that it was cool that they put that in there, and that was really the only instance of it where I was like, oh. Okay, that's kind of clever. <laughs> yeah, this is... Oh, my goodness. I thought that it was... And it's such a shame, too, because I think that it is it is an interesting topic, and it's one that I was genuinely interested in learning more about and trying to understand how yeah, this all, you know, went down. so much fucking noise in here. Yeah. Like, you have... It's a very okay. busy movie. And a couple other things. You got... When Christian Bale's talking about his glass eye, and they have for some reason they have like the flashback of him playing football with his parents running out of the field. Like, what the hell is that all about? Why is that in there? Then you have Steve Carell with his brother jumping off of the building that they kept cutting to, and it's like, what? Why do you keep trying to squeeze that in here? 
it doesn't work. Stop it. Yeah. And it, that's the, th- the thing that was interesting to me is that it's intermittently competent. Like anytime that McKay would just let the actors interact with each other and deliver lines like a normal movie. Oh, that's I thought, great. Yeah, that's when it worked. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is this is interesting. This is good stuff. All the other cute stuff that he tried to do was just absolutely terrible. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Uh, I thought that Carell was great. I loved his his character was just just how abrasive and matter of fact he was, and his complete disdain for the banking system and all of that. And I, I thought all that was great. I liked Christian Bale's character with his you know quirky, listen to heavy metal attitude. <laughs> And uh, I thought Ryan Gosling was fine too. Like performance-wise, across the board, I was I was into all the performances. Yeah, and it's just, but if you think about, it, which I hope someone does this at some point in time, if you take out all the fluff, all the noise, you know, the montages and all that bullshit, and just have you know the characters interacting with each other like a standard narrative, I would like to know how long that actual like all those pieces together, how long that actually is. Cause I have a feeling it's only like half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's like over two hours long. Yeah. Don't forget about the periodic uh, quotes that they threw up on the screen too. Yeah. There's just, oh my goodness. So much does not work for me in this thing. I wanted more Brad Pitt. I liked his character a lot too. Could have done with some more of him, but I understand that. I understand what his role was in this whole thing so i I can understand why he wasn't in it as much because he was kind of just a helper but man yeah i think that this is unfortunate like for me this is one of the most unfortunate movies of the year because i think that there was the the foundation of a great movie here but i just think that the execution and the way that it was put together was uh was really brought it down oh it sure did (laughs) <laughs> sure did yeah brought brought it down pretty hard it's also Actually, it's also an infuriating movie just on a content level just what happens oh, yeah. in this movie oh yeah but really but again it, it seems like one of those things i could have i could have easily looked all this stuff up right and learned it myself it's i i'm actually more more so confused like you were saying like carol in this movie where we were just kind of confused as to why it's getting so much so much praise i'm actually more confused by this one because this is just an yeah. absolute mess i'm more confused by this one as well this one like, is like carol's actually like streamlined like carol's a well-made movie oh, yeah I mean, it's, it's it's a solid movie <laughs> that is solid filmmaking this is just this is this is a mess yeah this this one's just like what uh doesn't even make sense. It has an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. People just, they're loving it. They fight, yeah, they love this thing. I guess people like the style that it's presented in. I, I guess, guess they like that kind of cheeky, talking to the camera. This is how it is. This is how it happened. Count me out. Yeah, it just did. It didn't hit for me. And it's a, it's a shame, too. I wish it did. I, apparently, there's a lot of people that this that it worked for them but unfortunately yeah it just didn't didn't work for me no it's garbage (laughs) (laughs) i'm wondering what what this movie would have 
how it would have fared if it was a different director, if it wasn't Adam McKay. Well, it probably wouldn't have had a fucking snippet of the landlord. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That that's definitely why. True. Why? I don't understand. Nor do I, uh, Kevin. Nor do I. Uh, so that's the big short that's playing in theaters right now. Let's give that skip it. Let's give it a score. What are you gonna give the big short? I give big short a three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like it's like hatred. That's like hate level. <laughs> Dude, it's terrible. There's it's also terrible. there's I I only wrote two notes um for this movie. One was editing and the other one was blind. And I can't remember why I wrote the word blind. Yeah, blind. And I'm not sure what that was in reference to. <laughs> Okay. It it might have been the scene when uh like Christian Bale was playing football and his glass eye got knocked out or something. He just wanted to go home. They're like, but you can still play. He's like, no, I just want to go home. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what the scene was. It's like, but... man, damn, that added so much context. Thank you for including that, Adam McKay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, All right, I will give the big short a 5 out of 10. Yeah, unfortunately, that one's just, that one didn't work. All right, let's talk about our third one. I'm just getting right through it here. Talking about joy. Here we go. This is directed by David O. Russell. I have a synopsis here. Joy is the story of the title character who rose to become founder and matriarch of a powerful family business dynasty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This stars Jennifer Lawrence, Robert De Niro, Bradley Cooper, Edgar Ramirez, Diane Ladd, Virginia Madsen's in there, Isabella Rossellini's in there. All right, I guess I'll start it off with Joy. Um, not uh, too into Joy, honestly. I-, I thought that it started off really solid, but it started to teeter off the rails for me, and by the end, I was just completely disinterested in it. And I was just like, all right. Whatever happens, happens at this point. I right, let's just let's just get through it and be done with it, and then forget every single thing about this movie two days later. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I thought it was fine. It was fine. Whatever. Now you're you're not a fan of David O. Russell to begin with. I, he's all right. No, wh- right. Where, where does this stack up for you on the this on is, the O. Russell scale? This is this is um. I'm guessing it's above Silver Linings, because if I remember correctly, you, did, you really didn't like that one. I'd say it's a little bit above that, tied with that. Maybe a little bit above. A okay. little bit above. But it's below American Hustle, I'm guessing? It's maybe tied with American Hustle. Oh, okay. All right. I don't know. What about The Fighter? <laughs> These movies are very forgettable. <laughs> it it is. There's just, like, honestly, if you look back, there's not a whole lot. That happens in this movie. I was kind of thinking that more would happen, like more business dealings and conflict, but it's it's not yeah, really that I, much that happens. I was expecting going in. I was expecting this like big epic story of yeah you know, rags to riches and, and and it's funny because in a lot of ways it it kind of skips all of the stuff that I thought would probably be the most interesting. You know, like. The the entire movie is about her trying to get this invention off the ground, and the end of the movie. This is a oh, mi- yeah, this is a mild spoiler, but she's like rich and powerful, 
and it's like dude they just they fast forward yeah, they fast forward through her whole almost her whole life see that's how i kind of thought that this movie would play out i thought it was going to be like one of these movies where you know it's a long kind of epic sprawling film that goes through her whole life yeah and from was... and from like all of the um the synopses and things like that kind of says that it's a family dynasty it's like a she starts a dynasty so i was kind of thinking oh they're gonna go through like generations and we're gonna see how like the business uh like changes with the times and and kind of evolves but it's not really no it's not really how it plays out yeah she she goes to sleep after having after having some cough syrup and then she wakes up and she's like i'm making a mop and then she makes mop and then she doesn't succeed and then she does succeed and then fast forward to the end and it's over yeah it's it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre movie you just get, yeah that's the whole that's the whole movie you just gave away the whole movie jeez that's, that's the whole fucking thing uh but yeah like you i it started off very promising i love the cinematography i love the overall feel of it and i was i was like settling in i'm like okay let's do this this is gonna be interesting but it's there's just nothing really happens yeah and you got you're focused on jennifer lawrence who again plays jennifer lawrence she's really i mean let's be honest she's fucking phoning it in here (laughs) this is it's just jennifer lawrence like there's no complexity to her to her her performance whatsoever it's just her and it's getting old she was she was she felt more like a like a grounded like a more grounded version of her character from American Hustle. Yeah, in a lot of it's, ways. It's just, but it, again, it's just it's more of the same, really. She's just playing the same character, which is her, <laughs> which is Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer then, Lawrence as Jennifer Lawrence in and then, and then Bradley Cooper shows up, and he doesn't really do anything. Which He's is, not even in it that much at all. Which is me kind of thinking, why did it have to be Bradley Cooper? <laughs> it's like a, it's a prerequisite at this point. I know, but it's just again, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, the the thing that got me most excited when they were like Lancaster, Pennsylvania, I was like, yay! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I kind of have I kind of cheered when that happened too, but. That's pretty much it. Yeah, that's that's about it. I mean, she made a mop. Um, the voiceover was awful from Diane Latt. That was just terrible. Oh, oh my god! I just I just remembered that. All right, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil a minor part of Joy. So spoil. if if you haven't seen it, if you don't want this this minor part to be spoiled, just skip ahead like a minute um, because it's 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 not a big one. But okay, so you have Diane Ladd as the narrator, and then she dies, mm-hmm. and she keeps narrating, and it's like, wait a minute! I thought she was like telling the story of her granddaughter who who became rich and famous, but she's dead. She's like telling us from beyond the grave. Mm-hmm. Come mm-hmm. on, <laughs> God! Come on, come on now! Un- unnecessary. Yeah. I, uh, it's just oh so oh the other thing that drove me crazy that I just could not get on board with was all of the fantasy sequences the soap operas sequences yeah I couldn't nope I couldn't get on board with that either 
did not I couldn't get on I couldn't get on board with the actual mop itself. Have you ever used one of those? I have, mops? yeah. I... Fucking worst mops ever. Fucking hate those mops. And it's so stupid when she's trying to sell the thing and her friend calls in. She's like, what, what, you know, do you have to ring it by hand? She's like, oh, no, that's actually how I came up with it because I was cleaning up glass and I rang it by hand and I cut my hands up. And I'm thinking, how fucking dumb are you? Like, you know you're cleaning up glass. Why would you ring it with your hands? Like, don't do that. <laughs> don't. It just, what the fuck? Which I don't understand, because that was, what, I think they said it was created in the 90s? She made that, like, 1990? Was it? Something like that? I thought it was before then, but... Which I don't understand, like... No, it had to be before the 90s. No, it was, I think it was the 90s. I've been using mops for a long time, and I never remember having to hand-ring mops. (laughs) Hand-ring a mop? (laughs) Yeah, what? What, are we living in the dark ages here? (laughs) Hand-ringing mops all over the place? Sweep up the glass first before you start mopping. Like, use brain a little bit. For Christ's sake. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a step missing there? You, you, you can't just dip, dip the mop in the broken glass and just have it disappear? <laughs> the glass will be absorbed into the arm. That's how it works. But see, this mop, Kevin, has like 300 feet of continuous loop cotton. It does. Cotton. It sure does. <laughs> and that loop cotton is the worst. Like, you can't. You it can't is terrible. Shit. It's terrible because shit. anytime I've ever had to use one of those mops, the the loops are too short. So like mm-hmm. the that's just, the that's act- a terrible mop. Yeah, the actual length is it's too short. It's just too, too short. short. Stubby. It's too short. I don't like it's, that. It's a terrible mop. Fuck that mop. Yes. Fuck that mop. <laughs> Fuck that mop. I mean it's alright. It's, it's an iron. I mean, if you're comparing it to wringing a mop out with your hands, <laughs> yes, it's a lot better. <laughs> Glass encrusted mop head wringing out with your hands. Yeah, it's much better. It's much more preferable. But, uh, you know, if you have half a brain, you wouldn't do that. Yep. So. Well, that's joy. Joy. Whatever. Not much of a joy, if you ask me. It is all right. Right, it's just not, it's all pretty surface level stuff here. Yeah, I mean, and it, uh, it kind of says it like it's selling it with your hands. You have to sell it with your hands, and then he has, like, when he introduces Bradley Cooper, that, he only shows his hands, and it's like you, you just kind of like touched on that a little bit, and then you just gave it up. What, like, what are you trying to say? I, I loved the scene when they had the guy demonstrate the mop, and he was. <laughs> A complete freaking imbecilic buffoon. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I don't. Like, I mean, maybe that happened in real life. And if so, that guy should be fired from QVC because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> but he sells. He's the biggest seller. He's the biggest seller. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the probably seller. the guy that sells the fucking swords at like 3 a.m. God, I hope so. <laughs> See, they didn't even make that a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The the guy that started the sword empire in in America, the late night sword and knife show. That's a movie. I do want to see that story right there. I do want to see that, and it's really dramatic. And they're like, "We gotta show you using the sword. You need to chop stuff." And then the guy that invented it's like, "I'll just do it myself," because they got 
somebody on to demonstrate them, and they're like, I don't know, I don't know how to use this thing. And they accidentally cut the like camera the cameraman's finger off. Uh, yes. Joy. Joy. All right, let's go ahead and give Joy a score. What are you gonna What are you gonna say on Joy? Joy's a uh, Joy's a five. I'm gonna give Joy a five. I'm gonna give it a five also, actually. Joy. Yeah. It's not horrible. Uh, I, I don't. Maybe I, I don't want to come off as saying that I hated the movie or anything. It just was. There's just not a whole lot going on to it. And again, I'll reiterate that I felt like it started off very strong. Like I. It starts off very strong. I was into all of the characters. I liked the dynamic. I thought it was funny. Um, but it just kind of grinded to a halt for me by the end it grinded to a halt and then it just fast forward through everything yeah that's the thing like it screeched to a halt and then it's like skipped five ten chapters ahead yeah and then it's just her meeting with bradley cooper at the end they're like hey we're friends yeah yes we are all right (laughs) well (laughs) see you later okay sure uh all right so that's joy playing in theaters right now Let's move on and talk about someone we've been watching on our watch list. Uh, because we did these three movies, I only have two other movies to talk about. Okay. Uh, and they, they kind of go together, so maybe I'll just talk about them together real quick. And okay. that's uh, Lady Snowblood and oh, yes. Lady Snowblood 2. How are these? I want to watch these. Uh, they're good. They're great. The oh, first yes. one's... You, you really don't need to see the second one, honestly. It's Where? not bad. And I will say that there are some very specific shots in the sequel that almost make it worth seeing just for those shots. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's worth seeing both. But the, the first one should be considered a must-see because it is... It's just amazing. The I love it when you can have a... Seem, I don't know what the budget... I'm going to say it was a low-budget movie. Seemingly low-budget exploitation splatter fest like this but it yeah. is so gorgeous and it is so artfully done sort of reminded me of um man i don't know there there were a lot of like exploitation films back in the 70s that just were so freaking amazing looking like el topo or something where it's it's a build as sort of a b movie but it's just so much more than that yeah and and if you're a fan of Kill Bill and you haven't seen Lady Snowblood, just watch it because it, a lot of the inspiration for Kill Bill was was uh, drawn from this film. Basically, it's about a, uh, a young woman who was raised as an assassin in order to get revenge on her father and her mother. Her father was was killed because they essentially thought that he was working for the military and trying to draft people they just because he's wearing a white suit turns out he was a teacher but they killed him (laughs) and the group responsible so the the wife sets out to kill the the group responsible and she only gets one of them before she gets thrown in prison and so what she does is she starts sleeping with all the guards so that she can purposely get pregnant and have a child just so that child can be raised to seek revenge. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It is uh, incredibly violent, over-the-top, crazy blood blood geyser levels of, of violence. Oh, man. And, yes, it's 
just just see it. It's out on Criterion now. I want it. You can see it on Fandor. Yes. I don't know if the sequel's on Fandor. So basically, the sequel is it's got the it's same director, same uh, lead lead actress Miko Kaji. Um, and in the in the sequel, she essentially is becomes an assassin for hire, and she it's there's a lot more political intrigue in the sequel. It's okay. much less a story about revenge and much more of a kind of a a movie that looks at the political climate of Japan during that time, which was the late 1800s, early 1900s. So it's a little bit, I don't want to say it's more dry because it's bloody as all hell, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's definitely got a different theme to it. It's not just like straight up revenge. Okay. So it, it, the sequel's worth checking out too. There's a fantastic overhead shot that takes place um on the beach when the water's like just right at the at the where the water's meeting the sand and it's you'll you'll know it if you see it it's fantastic i might have to check it out yeah so that's uh lady snowblood and what is the sequel i don't have it in front of me it's uh lady snowblood 2 the song of vengeance love song of vengeance sorry love song of vengeance yes and if you Get it on Criterion. I should now. I should have a review for this up on the on, on the site by the time you listen to this, or shortly thereafter. Uh, the Criterion Blu-ray has both of them together, and their new, I believe, 2K transfers of both films. They look pretty good. They don't look amazing, but they look they look solid. Okay. All right. Uh, I saw one on Fandor called The Pedophagger from 2011 by Lewis Clark. Okay. The Pedophagger. The Pedophagger. Okay. Now, this is a, an experimental film. Uh, so, Lewis Clark is, he's, what he does is he uses cutouts. He does cutouts of, um, like, from, from old comic books. And he uses them, and he kind of does these collage films. And he uses that with uh, playing cards and other found objects and stuff. And this one is... This is one of his longest films, 65 minutes, where he kind of builds a narrative out of it. But when I say narrative, it's it's very loose. Um, and it's just, it is very intriguing. And I'm always, I've always been into, you know, people doing cutouts and collage work and making movies out of them. And this guy's right up my alley. If you're into that type of thing, I definitely suggest checking out Lewis Clark because hmm. it is fantastic now it does drag a little bit at spots here and there because it is it is kind of slow there's not a lot of there's really no dialogue <laughs> to speak of you know it's just a series of images cutouts and stuff that he's arranged mm-hmm. and it kind of tells this loose story of uh like a con man from the 60s who's kind of addicted to gambling but definitely worth checking out pedophagger the pedophagger pedophagger I don't have any other anything else to really talk about. I watched all of Making of a Murderer on Netflix. Oh, well, I didn't yet, so shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say anything about it other than uh other than avoid the media and watch it. Like uh, gotcha. avoid cuz everybody's talking it about it right now. So, yeah. you know, try to try to avoid any kind of surprises or spoilers with it. Everyone's yapping it up. They're yapping. Running the mouths. Oh, I saw another one on Fandor. This one is up your alley by uh, Gene Rowland, and that's The Grapes of Death 
from 1978. Okay. This is a French horror movie about a, a small vineyard that the pesticides that they're using for their grapes turns people into lunatics. Oh, boy. Kind of like zombies, but not really zombies. They get these open sores on their faces and hands that looks like a mixture of wine, wine, grape juice, and, like, pus. I thought you were going to say wine, wine coolers. <laughs> like, whoa. With, with pus. And they just they end up killing people. And uh, this, this young woman is going there because her, her fiancé is the one that runs the vineyard. And she gets off the train, and everyone's a raven lunatic, and they're trying to kill her, and she's just trying to survive. And she, it's it's something else. There's a, I have to say, I was quite impressed with the effects, but it's it's a bit odd because when you see like the the lesions and stuff that they have, the effects for that stuff isn't that great, and that's one of like the first things that you see effects work wise in this movie. So you're kind of like, oh boy. You know, it's 1978. The effects work, so the the lesions and stuff doesn't look that great. This is going to be, you know, how's it going to look when we actually get into, you know, arms being cut off or you know whatever's going to happen. But the interesting thing is, is when they get to like the big daddy stuff, the effects work there looks fantastic. Like there's a person that gets a pitchfork through the midsection that looks great. Uh, There's a decapitation, which is it's something else. To watch it's just like a raven lunatic he's like cackling and stuff and then he just cuts off a head and then he carries the head around and it's oh boy nice and it's just like the french countryside just looks amazing and it's like this mixture of like art house like an art house international cinema mixed with a zombie movie but they're not 100 percent zombies no one's eating anybody they just kill. They're almost more like, um, what was that movie? The Crazies. Later. What's that? 28 Days Later? Kind of like that. Kind of like The Crazies, where they just oh, the they kill people. They kill people. Cool. Might have to check that out. That's The yeah. Grapes of <laughs> Death. I just remembered one that I didn't see. I, in fact, a couple that I, rem- that I saw that I just didn't remember or didn't log. I saw Bloody Birthday from 1981, directed by Ed Hunt. And yeah. it's a, uh, it's a, it's about, Kids, killer kids. It's about okay. these three kids who are turning uh, 10, I believe. And they decide on their 10th birthday, they're going to kill everybody. And they just go oh. through the town murdering everybody. Okay. It's, uh, it's pretty intense. It's actually a pretty solid killer kid movie. Um, I liked it. I, I, don't, I don't know what it was about this movie but uh for some reason it was i was feeling it it was maybe a little bit too serious for its own good it was it was very serious and it was i was kind of surprised at what they did with these kids i mean these kids are like brutally murdering people but uh it was a fun one i saw this on shutter so if you have shutter the horror streaming uh service you can check it out on there nice I only have one other one, and that's from... Oh, I just realized that I saw all these on Fandor. Apparently, I went hard on Fandor. You're always week. you're always going hard on Fandor. You should just change this to the Fandor show. <laughs> Fandor, the Fandor podcast. <laughs> uh, Marguerite Van Trotta's 
Sisters or the Balance of Happiness from 1979. Um, number one thing that I realized is that Fantron is kind of underappreciated. Anytime that people are kind of discussing, you know, great female directors, I don't, I don't often see her name come up, which it should. Um, and then this movie too, this is one of, it's about two sisters. Okay. And it's kind of like one of those identity swap type movies where the older sister kind of imposes on the younger sister and essentially makes her live the life that she didn't get to live. And then of course it affects her and it messes up the relationship and stuff happens. And uh, you know, those types of movies, whenever they're kind of discussed and like, like this year, they kind of got brought, brought up again with uh, queen of earth and they kind of went through all the, the different types of films mm-hmm. throughout the years. Cause for whatever reason, this is a, this is a big, this is a big thing, I guess for when you make two handers with women, it's always like identity swaps for whatever reason. Um, but for whatever reason, this one doesn't really get talked about. And I got to say, I was quite surprised by this. It was, it was quite fantastic. The, What's on Fandor? You know the quality's not that great. It, it looks like it was ripped from a VHS. Hmm. It doesn't look that good. It could definitely use a remastering. Um, but it's quite good, and especially when you talk about those types of movies like Queen of Earth, you know, Persona. Those things, this movie should definitely be in there with those because it's just as good, if not better, hmm. than those. So if that's your type of thing, if you're into that kind of narrative i would seek this one out cool and that's sisters are the balance of happiness obviously Correct. on fandor fandor all about that fandor <laughs> uh the only other one i'll, I'll just very briefly mention is anomalisa uh we're probably going to be talking about that again at some point i'm, I'm guessing sure maybe we'll be doing a full review on it uh if not i'll just say that i, I enjoyed it quite a bit it's a it's a film that after I initially viewed it, I was like, oh, it was okay. Obviously, the animation is out of control. Like, it is right up my alley. I freaking loved it. I loved the, the entire tone, the extremely dry, droll tone of this movie. Uh, yeah. and, and the fact that they chose to animate it, I thought was a stroke of genius. Because um, they didn't have to. Like, it's not a movie that has to be animated. You know, it's yeah. not like there's fantastical things that are happening in this. So I thought that it was extremely good choice to make it animated. Um, but anyway, it was, it was a film that the, the longer um, I was uh, away from it, the more I appreciated it. And, and it kind of made me realize that it, it really stuck with me. So uh, yeah, I, if Anomalise is playing in your area, seek it out and uh, hopefully we'll have, uh, we'll do like a full review of that within the next couple of weeks. I would like to. Yeah, bet you would. Hey. Bet you would. All right, let's talk about some predictions. Last week, The Forest. Did this even come out? I don't even know if this came out, honestly. Yeah, it comes out this weekend, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, January 8th. All right. So I, I guess I was thinking that we would not be recording, and we actually... Uh, yeah, we yeah. were supposed to skip a week, but whatever. That's right. So just to, just to recap, The Forest, you said 12, I said 36. I'd probably like to lower my score on that, but we'll leave it as is. <laughs> Can I go down to nine? <laughs> we're, we're just going to leave it. It's not. It's locked in. 
Uh, next week is The Revenant. That goes wide. Anesthesia. That's in limited release. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else do we have. Lamb. I believe that that's going to be on VOD as well. Uh, so that's getting a limited release in on VOD. That's pretty much it. Really that's nothing. Cool. Really nothing next week. Yeah. I'd no, say go see cool. The Revenant. And that's that's pretty much it. On VOD next week, we have, uh, I think, a whole lot of nothing as well. We have Ooh. Lamb and Diablo. It looks like Lamb is coming out on the 12th, actually, Tuesday. Okay. Just deciding to come out whenever they want, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's... It's not confusing enough already. I know. Thanks. Oh, release schedules. It's a constant struggle. Always. Blu-ray next week. Sicario. Uh, Aladdin, The Return of Jafar. Ooh. I guess that's the sequel to Aladdin. The Green nice. Inferno. Uh, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. The Walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Experimenter. Ooh. Condemned. Actually, I heard that was supposed to be good. I, again, that was one that I had a mild interest in and then just it lost me. For some reason, I, I still, I'll probably check it out at some point. All right, I think that that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Send us your questions and topics to podcastfilmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And take a minute to look at our Patreon page if you get a moment. Patreon.com slash FilmPulse is the address. We appreciate that so very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson, and we'll see you next week. Bye.